0: Hi, my name is Lucy and welcome to Kids Talk Church History, a -a one-of-a-kind podcast where kids investigate the history of the church. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Has he kept his promise? How has Jesus built and preserved his church against all odds? Come with us on a trip through history to find the answer here on Kids Talk Church History. Before leaving this earth, Jesus told his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. His disciples took this commandment seriously and spread the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, both in Israel and in other nations. According to some sources, Thaddeus and Bartholomew brought the gospel to Armenia, and some say that Thomas went to India. In fact, in the second century, there were communities of Christians in Africa, India, and what we now call the Middle East. Some people were surprised that a religion whose followers were so persecuted and despised continued to spread. At the end of the first century, of the 60 million people in the Roman Empire, less than 10,000 called themselves Christians. 200 years later, they had grown to be at least 6 million. Quite often, the church grew when Christians told the good news of the gospel to their neighbors or to the people they met. Today, we'll see how God used some Christians to bring the gospel to kings and queens. Welcome to the third episode of Kids Talk Church History. My name is Lucas, I am 14, and I live in San Diego, California.
1: And I am Trindy. and I am 15 years old and live in Charleston, South Carolina. I am Mina, I am 13, and I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan.
0: Today, we have three amazing adventures to tell. We can each tell you one. Trinity, would you like to start?
1: Of course. My story takes place in Armenia, a nation between Europe and Asia, at the turn of the 4th century. It started when a Parthian nobleman, in obedience to his ruler, killed the king of Armenia. This nobleman was caught, and he and most of his family were killed. One son managed to flee to Cappadocia, in today's Turkey, where he became a Christian. His name was Gregory. Sometime later, Gregory went to Armenia to serve King... Tridat III, the son of the murdered king. We don't know why he went, but possibly to make up for his father's crime. Everything went well until Gregory refused to worship an Armenian goddess. The king tortured him to get him to change his mind. When Gregory refused to change his mind, the king placed him in a dark and damp prison, leaving him to die. Gregory survived 13 years thanks to a woman who brought him bread every day. In the meantime, Tridat fell in love with a nun named Herfsmie and tried to force her to follow him to his castle. The king was well known for his strength, and yet Hirsme fought him off for seven hours and won. Upset, the king asked the head nun to force Hirsme to marry him. When the abbess said no, he ordered all the nuns to be killed. Then God punished the king by confusing his mind like he did for King Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible. It was then that the king's sister told him to ask Gregory to pray for him. Long story short, Gregory's prayers brought healing, persuading the king to convert to Christianity and to declare that his whole kingdom would be Christian. This was in the year 301. Armenians today are still proud of being the first Christian nation.
0: Wow, that was quite a story with one thing leading to another. A son who tries to make up for his father's grievous crime, a woman feeding a prisoner bread for 13 years, and a nun fighting a strong king for seven hours. Who says that church history is boring? Well, now we need to travel a little north of Armenia to the ancient kingdom of Georgia. Mina, would you like to tell this one?
2: Yes, for sure. My story took place in the fourth century. At that time, there were a few Christians in Georgia, but most people worshipped many gods. This changed after the king of Georgia, Mirian III, became blind in a hunting accident. When his prayers to his gods didn't help, Mirian remembered a young Christian woman, Nino, who served in his court. An ancient historian named Rufinus says she was a captive, probably captured during a war. Mirian and his wife, Nana, had been impressed by Nino's character and faith, so Mirian prayed to Nino's god and regained his sight. He then became a Christian and made Christianity the official religion of his kingdom, asking the church in Constantinople to send more missionaries. And Nino continued to tell others about Christ until her death in 335.
0: I don't think Nino could have imagined all this when she was taken captive. And actually, our third story is a little bit similar to that. It's about two brothers, Frumentius and Odysseus, who took a boat trip with their uncle from Tyre. In today's Lebanon, the trip turned into a nightmare when some raiders attacked their boat, killing many. The boys were sold as slaves to Oizana, king of Aksum, which includes today's Ethiopia in East Africa. The king liked the boys and employed them at his court. Frumentius became his secretary and treasurer. This was around the year 316. The brothers told the king and his family about Christ and encouraged Christian merchants to meet for worship and share their faith with others. When the king freed them, Odysseus returned to his hometown where he became a priest, while Frumentius stopped in Alexandria of Egypt to ask the local bishop, Anastasius, to send a missionary to uh, Axum. Actually, Anastasius thought Frumentius would be the best man for the task, so he ordained him bishop and sent him back. After Uzama died, his son became king and turned Ethiopia into a Christian nation. Axum was the first kingdom to print a cross on the back of their coins as a symbol of their state religion.
2: That was certainly unexpected.
0: All right, and this is the time when we read the questions from our listeners. We have a great question from Dustin from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But before we read it, I wanted to remind you to send us your questions at questions at KidstalkChurchHistory.org. Anyone who sends a question will be entered in a raffle to win a book about church history. Our next episode will be aired just before October 31st, Reformation Day. So we'll leave the early church and travel forward in time. Send us your questions about the Reformation. And now here is Dustin's question. Was Ethiopia the first nation in Africa to become Christian? And since this question is about Ethiopia, we'll turn it to our expert. We have uh, Reverend Eric Clausen, who runs a podcast named Faithful Forebearers and has an episode about Fermentius. He actually has quite a few episodes about Christianity in Ethiopia. Thank you very much for coming, Reverend Clausen. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here.
3: And it's awesome to hear you guys talk about your stories of church history. That's so cool. Uh,
0: that you guys, being this age, are interested in this stuff. This is awesome. Uh, so to start, uh, how would you answer Dustin's question? Was Ethiopia the first nation in Africa to become Christian?
3: Yeah, so that's a really good question, and it kind of depends on what do you mean by Christian nation when we say that. So we can say that Ethiopia was the first African nation where its king became Christian. Um, There were certainly already Christians in Africa in different places, like Egypt already had Christians there, um, and that's part of Africa, and an area, South Sudan, what is now South Sudan at least, that already had Christians too. You guys remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch? Oh, yeah. 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 So he's actually probably not from what we think of as modern Ethiopia, but he's probably from the area which is now South Sudan. So there was probably a Christian presence from his work. Um, So there are certainly Christians around, but Ethiopia is the first one where the rulers actually become Christian. So in that sense, it is the first African Christian nation.
1: That's really interesting. Um, Do you know what happened later in Ethiopia? Did Christianity begin and continue to grow?
3: Yeah, So, so that's a really cool story. And actually, there's a lot to it. And so I've done a bunch of podcast episodes about it, and I just barely scratched the surface. So today in Ethiopia, there is the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, and that is a direct descendant of from what Frumentius and Izana did so long ago. Um, So it's really cool that it's just it's passed down for 1600 years. And I think that's so important where we realize like Christianity in Africa is ancient. In fact, it's way older than even Christianity in places like Germany or England. Um, And it's continued all through that time. Now, there have been times where things were going really well and they were expanding and there were times where things were pretty rough and they were, you know, contracting or just trying to stay alive. But yeah, it's continued on through for 1600 years. Athanasius, well, he's got an interesting story of his own. um, But those two churches, the church in Egypt and the church in Ethiopia, they would stay connected for a long time because of that relationship between Fermentius and Athanasius, which is pretty cool.
1: Do you know what language they speak in Ethiopia and did they translate the Bible into that language?
3: Yeah. So, uh, in modern day Ethiopia, they speak a bunch of different languages. Um, But in ancient Ethiopia, the main language was called Ge'ez. And nobody really speaks that language anymore, but there's still a lot of things written in it. So, Frumentius, as far as we know, he never actually translated um, the Bible into that language. But at least a couple hundred years later, we do have. The Bible translated into that language and I don't know if we know exactly who did it um, but there's a lot of a lot of translations of the Bibles in that language and a whole bunch of hymns and different um, church writings in that language of Geez. though apparently it's pretty hard to learn and even modern Ethiopians are like oh yeah it's it's pretty tough if you want to learn it it's kind of like Latin for us you know an ancient language nobody speaks anymore yeah it's ge'ez for them that's cool yeah.
1: Mina, did you want to ask some questions? Yeah, sure. Um, did other
2: nations in Africa become Christian around that time? Do you know?
3: Yeah. So like I mentioned, uh, Egypt had a lot of Christians in it, but Egypt then was part of the Roman Empire. So officially Christianity doesn't isn't the official religion until it is in the whole Roman Empire. But then there is that area in South Sudan where there was a large Christian presence. And unfortunately, a lot of stuff doesn't survive. So like we didn't we don't have any documents of Christianity in that era. But if I'm remembering this right, they have found evidence of churches in that area. Um, But other places around Ethiopia, there's there's not as much evidence. I don't want to say that there weren't Christians there. We just don't have as much evidence today that there were. Ethiopia is the one we see the really the complete story really well.
2: For another question, do you know how a whole nation could become Christian at once? Because this is strange for us today.
3: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, How could a whole nation at the snap of somebody's fingers become Christian? And the answer is it can't. It took actually a really long time. So again, when we say first Christian nation, we mean first rulers became Christian. And actually, even Izana himself didn't become Christian right away. Actually, when he was younger, he still was pagan. And this, the ancient Ethiopian religion before Christianity, it's kind of just like ancient Greek religion, but all the names are changed. Um, So that's what he grew up. And actually, you see early things that he did, he will be like dedicating his military victories to Mars or um, Jupiter or Saturn or something like that. But then later in his life, he does become Christian, and you'll see that shift. And basically, when he does become a Christian, he wants to gently bring the rest of his country to be Christian also. So, for instance, we talked about the coins. He put crosses on his coins, and that was partially to get his people used to the symbolism of Christianity. Uh, And in some things, it even says, um, if it pleases my people. And so, it's almost like a sales pitch. He's like saying, hey, here, here's Christianity. Uh, think about it. Maybe it will please you. Think about it a little bit more. And even does it slowly. Um, he, first he tries to move his people from polytheism to just an idea of monotheism. So a lot of times he'll say, he'll just say, hey, um, this victory is due to the Lord in heaven, the one Lord in heaven who's overall. But then it's interesting when he talks with people who know Christianity very well, then he's happy to say, Hey, this is thanks to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is thanks to Jesus Christ, my Savior. Um, but he kind of is slowly getting his people used to it. And it actually takes a couple hundred years. So from the time that Izana becomes a Christian to the time that your average Ethiopian becomes a Christian, it's probably like 150 to 200 years. But it's the work of a whole bunch of different missionaries who are slowly spreading this message all throughout the country. And there's actually um, this group called the Nine Saints in Ethiopia. And in that period, over the next 150 years, they're known as these great missionaries that help spread the gospel to the whole country. And it's possible that one of those nine saints, maybe they translated the Bible into Gehes. Um, It's very possible. And I think people think likely. But yeah, it was a slow process. It didn't happen right away. And it was the work of hundreds, if not thousands of faithful people slowly spreading the gospel um, through the area. So, yeah, it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes we say it and it sounds like it, but really that's just shorthand for saying the king became Christian and he would work to make his whole nation Christian.
1: That's really interesting. You know a lot about church history, especially in Ethiopia. How did you become interested in church history?
3: That is a really good question. Um, So, Part of it, I guess, was I just wanted to know, like, my own story. Like, how did Christianity get to me? Or how did I learn about Jesus? Mm -hmm. So, it was through my parents, mostly. They taught me um, my faith. But then, like, how did they learn? Who taught them? Mm -hmm. And who taught the people before that? And then you think about it. You think about, you could go back in an unbroken chain. You could go back all the way to Jesus and the disciples, right? Somebody told somebody who told somebody who told somebody, and eventually it got to you. And that just excites me that I'm part of that long chain. like That's an unbroken chain. And for each one of you too, um, there's an unbroken chain of people talking about Jesus all the way back from the disciples and Jesus all the way to you. And like, to me, that just made me really excited that I was part of this big story. Like so often, I think we feel like Christianity is just, oh, Jesus and the disciples. And then it jumped magically 2000 years. And now it's to you. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. no we got brothers and sisters in Christ who lived all different parts of the world through all history. And they're a part of our story And in a way we're a part of their story too. Um, so that, that always got me so excited to think I'm, I'm part of something so much bigger. And actually the, the uh, church that I'm a part of, we use this hymnal and um, at the bottom of the hymnal, it shows who wrote the tune and who wrote the uh, words and it will say next to them, their dates like when were they born, when did they died. And I remember as a kid, I would go through and I would try to find the absolute earliest one. I was like, all right, who's the oldest one that there possibly was? And I think it was a guy, Clement of Alexandria. I think that was it. He was like from 180. And I was like, yes, I found it. This is the oldest guy. Um, but just the, the story is so big. The story of Christianity is so big. It's so much bigger than a lot of times we make it. But we have a huge family that spans the whole world. Um, and that's pretty cool. That's I want to be a part of something big. And studying church history reminds me that I really am a part of something really big.
1: That's really cool. Did this also inspire you to become a, a pastor and to share the faith with other people?
3: Yeah, totally. Um, that was a part of it. That I thought, hey, I want to, this is what I want to do full time. I want to be a part of this. And not to say that people who aren't pastors aren't do, being full-time Christians, mm-hmm. but yeah, it did inspire me. This is this is what I want to spend my time learning about. This is what I want to spend my focus on So yeah, it was absolutely a big emphasis for me. and actually when I went to school to become a pastor, I got to emphasize or get my emphasis in church history, which was super
0: fun. I That's had a blast nice. doing it. Yeah. I have a question for you. Do you do you have any tips for maybe if uh, one of us kids wanted to learn church history? Uh, well, it looks like you're already doing a pretty good job of it so uh, keep up
3: what you guys are doing. Um, I would say stay curious and realize how big the subject is that you're looking at. Like, it's really fun. As I research about different things, I constantly am coming across people that I've never heard of before. Um, Or someone says, oh, yeah, have you heard of this person? No, I I absolutely have never heard of them. And I've studied church history for 15 years. Um, But it's so big, there's always more to learn. So stay curious and also stay humble, realizing like, There's no person alive. You could have somebody who has multiple doctorates in church history, and there's going to be so many things that they don't know about church history. So always be ready to learn more and see what you love and focus on that. For instance, like if you really like, uh, this is an example I like to use. If you really like theater as a Christian, learn about people like this lady called Horosfitha. I know it's really hard to say, Um, but she was the first Christian playwright and she lived in the 900s AD, and she was the first Christian to write plays, at least that we know of. and she was a woman. And people have no idea about her. Um, and even sometimes people who study church history don't know about her, because church history is so big. So whatever it is you're passionate about, uh, go look into those things, and there are probably faithful Christians who are passionate about those same things and learn about them. And also I think it's just so important that we have like heroes that we can look up to like pick someone or learn, find someone you can learn about and say, I want to be like that person. And that person's going to help inspire me to follow Jesus and live faithfully by what he says. Follow your passion. Is that, I guess, the end advice? I don't know, I guess. <laughs> um, find things you're passionate about, and there are faithful Christians who have done the same thing. So, I guess that would be my advice.
0: I think our time is up here. So, thank you for coming, Reverend Clausen. It really means a lot to have you on here we learned a lot of stuff from you my pleasure and for our listeners special offers news and more also if you like what you heard you can give us a good rating and don't forget to tell your friends where they can find us in partnership with the alliance of confessing evangelicals and on behalf of my co-hosts trinity and mina i'm lucas and thanks for listening to kids talk church history